The following program is brought to you by Podcast One Sportsnet. Don't forget to download our new Podcast One app. Quick break to tell you guys about NFL Game Pass, the only way that you can replay every game all season long. You can relive all the gutsy calls, crazy catches, wild comebacks, and breakout stars from every game every week. It's all the action, all the football you can handle, all in one place. So every game that we're talking about right now, you guys can rewatch it after the fact. I'm going to be going back, and you guys can too. Go check out Lamar Jackson in week one. Go check out Dak Prescott and what that Cowboys offense actually did. Go check out Kyler Murray in his NFL debut. That's my favorite thing about NFL Game Pass. You can go back and watch at any time. And if you haven't watched a condensed game yet, you have to try it out. It's every play from the game back to back to back so you can replay an entire NFL game in the fraction of the time it normally takes. It's how I'm able to follow all the MVP candidates, all the breakout stars, and, of course, your waiver wire pickups all season long. To see all the action this season and stay on top of all the big storylines, you need NFL Game Pass. Best of all, you can kick off the 2019 NFL season with a seven-day free trial of NFL Game Pass. Just sign up now at NFL.com slash NFL. Welcome into the PFF NFL Podcast. Steve Palazzolo here with Mike Renner. It's your special bonus edition of the PFF Podcast this week because there's still so much draft to discuss, yeah. Mike. I have too many thoughts going through my head that need to be all poured out of there so I have more space for 2020. They need to all leave and I have my 2020 space. Should we have a whole 2020 show next week? You have a whole, you have a list. I do. I have a list. We could do a 2020 show. There might be some interest in that. Look ahead. Maybe we'll do that next week. We'll get the uh, look ahead to the 2020 guys. Can't believe it's 2020. Uh, But this is the 2019 NFL draft superlative show. So we're going to give you our best draft steals, the biggest reaches, best fits. I really like the best fits because, well, I wrote that article. Best overall drafts. We'll do that. That video is actually to our Twitter account, which claimed I wrote that article. But did they? Yeah. They said that you read. Well, you wrote almost everything else. Yeah, that's why. But yeah, I, I came out of writing retirement for it. We'll give you the best overall drafts. Most improved units is a good one. I always enjoy when, you know, you've get that very specific uh, part of the team that improves and then top udfa so let's just fly right through it starting with our biggest draft steal so we're looking at guys that obviously we were higher on than where they went they either fell because the nfl didn't like him as much as us or something happened off the field but let's get to it uh give me a name for your biggest uh, to start with your biggest draft steals greedy williams to the cleveland yeah, browns we had a you know top 10 grade on him goes in the middle of the second round there is some off-field, I guess, is why he dropped in this draft. It wasn't all on-field. Was, there were some consistency concerns and the fact that he didn't take any visits to any teams. So there is some sort of check marks off the field that you got to vet. But John Dorsey is the king of that. He, he doesn't give a damn about any of those sort of things. <laughs> he doesn't. He doesn't give a damn about run defense, which also is Greedy Williams' He doesn't Williams care knock. about Greedy's tackling. And so he is the perfect GM to draft someone like Greedy Williams. And to give him the second round, his talent is far, far higher than a second-round value. Again, we mentioned on the other podcast, though, break it down the Browns draft, we just wonder about the fit in the Steve Wilkes scheme. Will they use him properly opposite Denzel Ward? If they take advantage of his skills, though, what a pairing they could potentially have Mm -hmm. with Greedy Williams and Denzel Ward. Yeah, He just has the ability to eliminate any sort of bigger wide receivers who wins with physicality he has the perfect matchup for that and then has exceptional speed in his own right. Allowed fewer than completion percentage, fewer than under 40% each of his two seasons at LSU. 
lots of like on his tape. Now only he's two not, years playing. Redshirt yeah, freshman, redshirt sophomore year um, at LSU. Um, I'm going to give you my name, too, because I, I wrote up that he could become the steal of the draft. Before the draft, that was Will Greer, the mm-hmm. West Virginia quarterback. Goes to the Panthers, and it, it was pretty much going to be a steal no matter who took him. Just beca- or if Anybody that took him in the third round, say, it would be a steal. Because we had a late first-round grade on him, and there's yes. just enough data pointing to Will Greer being a, a, a success at the next level that he's certainly worth the shot in the third round, no matter who your quarterback is. Yeah, I mean, it's accurate. And the Panthers, with Cam Newton there and his injury history, he the backup has played there in Carolina. Sure. So he will probably get some snaps. He will bring value to the table if he's playing a handful of games a year behind Cam Newton. Now, he doesn't do what Cam Newton does offensively. He's not going to be able to replicate that running ability and not going to run the same offense that he would with Cam Newton with Will Greer. He's very accurate. And I think they sort of have been trending towards shorter, quicker passers in that offense, more targeting the running backs. Will Greer could excel in an offense like that. This would have been a curious pick a year ago because I'd say, what? A North Turner offense with Will Greer? It's not exactly but the no, best yeah. skill set, but North has adjusted a little bit to the times in the NFL with a, a shorter passing game. The old dog learned new tricks. Yeah, it's amazing, mm-hmm. right? Not just the downfield vertical uh, tree that Norv has liked historically. Give me another name that you really liked here, Mike. I liked the Eagles drafting J.J. Arcega-Whiteside in the late second. Uh, and now they uh, could have just picked any, pretty much any of the wide receivers that we were high on there that ended up going in the late second round. I went J.J. Arcega-Whiteside because I think the one, the value was there. We had a first-round grade on him. We had him similar in similar range on our draft board to an A.J. Brown uh, to and close to DK Metcalf as well on that draft board. And then he goes, the fit, though, is also, in my opinion, just too perfect, pairing him with Carson Wentz. I think that is just the style of quarterback that he's going to is going to fit his skill set like a T. And I think he will be a very productive number two there while Ashan's there could even overtake him in terms of production sooner rather than later in his career. I think he's that good of a wideout. So that's a steal. And again, we mentioned with the Eagles, just the overall team building aspect when you get the heir apparent, so to speak, for Alshon Jeffrey. Whenever that might be, yes. you get this similar skilled guy so that you could just keep moving forward. You know, we don't... It's so easy in the NFL to get complacent, lose good players, and not being able to maintain a baseline of, mm-hmm. of a good team. Uh, our Sega Whiteside, huge. And then what do you do in the red zone? Our Sega Whiteside, Alshon Jeffrey, and those two tight ends in the red zone? Yes. How do I mean, you stop that? It's a basketball team. I can't wait to watch this Eagles offense. It's the anti-Arizona Cardinals in terms of what they throw out all these 6-4 guys, the Arizona Cardinals drafted all these 5-8 guys. And Akeem Butler to offset. Yeah, and Akeem Butler. Yeah. So just to, to balance things out. Um, how about the Patriots grabbing Chase Winovich in the third? Mm-hmm. Uh, a first-round player on our board and all of these guys, right? Pretty much well, most of them. The first four that we mentioned all had top 32 first-round type of grades on our board. Chase Winovich going in the third. A steal for the Patriots. Yeah, I just think he's a fairly safe projection to at least be competent off the edge. At least give you something and... You saw, a, I don't want to say a similar player, but a guy I feel similarly about in that regard, and Cleveland Farrell go top five in this draft. And that you feel good about Cleveland Farrell translating to the NFL may not be super exciting, but you feel good about him being able to rush the passer. That's how I feel about Chase Winovich. He's just very athletic. He has pass rushing moves already. He's, you've seen it work at the college level for multiple years. At that point, to get that in the third is just, I think, great value uh, for a position that's usually over, not to say overdrafted, but that usually goes a lot, a lot earlier than mid-third round. You made the Clay Matthews comp outside of the I did. I was, before. It's too easy, but it, it's fitting. It, it really actually is. Like, you don't have to. It's okay. We don't have to 
shy away from comps if they yeah. make sense. I've never given a, a long-haired white guy the Clay Matthews count before this. That's a, no, no, you, on, you're allowed that. We don't have to just, you know, a lot of people like to overcorrect and never yeah. do same race comps and stuff like that, but sometimes it works. And for Winovich, it works. my whole thing is I just, we didn't want to call him just a high-motor player like everybody was kind of throwing at him. Hmm. He actually wins with his hands. He wins with burst. He wins in the run game. I was so yeah. impressed with what he did in the run game at Michigan and what as well. And We've beat a dead horse with this, but yes, he was more productive than Rashawn Gary, who went number 12 Breaking. overall. Breaking news. Um, so the Patriots have a chance to have uh, kind of replaced their mid-round steal of Trey mm-hmm. Flowers from a few years ago, who's now moved on to the Detroit Lions. Um, and then give me one more. Let's finish up with our draft steals. Giants. Got one of the steals of the draft. Daniel Jones at six. Just kidding. No, it was Julian Love oh. in the fourth round. One, uh, 108 overall. He was, on our board, number 45 overall. So, obviously, just a steal based on the board. I think he has very... Uh, he's very good at the catch point. He has very good instincts for the cornerback position. Athletically, yes, he's not a 4-4 guy. He is a mid-4-5 guy. He is maybe more pigeonholed him into a zone corner. If you want to say that, that's probably more his speed. But a great three-cone, 38 forced incompletions over the last two years. Second most in all of college football. He is a producer. He is a... He, is plays the catch point extremely well, comes up and tackles extremely well. That's, I mean, that Dave Gettleman, that's the type of football Dave Gettleman likes. That's who De- DeAndre Baker is as well, who they drafted in the first round. To me, there's not, again, that big of a difference between DeAndre Baker and Julian Love. It's not three rounds of difference. It's more like a round. Yeah, overall, we'll talk about it more, but we love what the Giants have done mm-hmm. with the defensive backs. And Julian Love, I got some, I, I don't want to throw the Desmond King, Chargers, um, Iowa to the Chargers, Desmond King comp around too much. But I felt it like he to. could yeah. you do that role. Play the slot yeah. in a zone scheme. Uh, extremely. I love the way he closes on the ball. You'll be good at something in the NFL. Level. I just it's feel great, confident It's a great about, way you know? of putting it. And you get that at, what, 108, you said? Mm-hmm. Very good value Very good there. Value. So the Giants got a draft steal. How about that? Good job, Giants. Let's we'll go. talk about them later, too. We will talk about them later. That's a professional tease, Mike. Mm-hmm. Don't fast forward, though. We've got your biggest reaches Ooh. on the PFF draft board. Yeah, we funny. have to discuss reaches as well. I know reach. Oh, what's a reach? I mean, look, it's just we valued a guy lower than where they went. Mm-hmm. All right. Hey, they could become Hall of Famers. Mm-hmm. Never know. That's how everybody hedges these days. Yeah, could right. be wrong. Everybody could become a Hall of Famer. Um, but these are the guys we thought, you know, should have gone uh, later in the draft. Yes. Obviously. So who are we starting with? Let's start with Daniel Jones, since we just kind of touched on him in the Giants. We said something good. How we're going to talk something bad. We'll say something good later about the Giants again, too. But Daniel Jones is just a day two guy on our board. He was not a guy we would pencil in at number six, what like they're doing as our franchise quarterback, quarterback of the future, what we're pinning our hopes to going forward. I wouldn't have felt comfortable enough in that tape that we saw at Duke to do that. That's just that's the fact of the matter. We're not saying it's impossible. We're not drafting him on day two if we think it's impossible for him to become a good quarterback in the NFL, obviously. We're just thinking it's unlikely. And you're being pegged as a Daniel Jones apologist. I am. Like Everyone's internet. really hating on it, and I don't think it's that egregious of a pick. Like I, I think if you really, if you, you, there's things on his tape that you can evaluate and say, these are NFL-level things that he does. I, I love his footwork. I love his mechanics, the way he throws the ball. Throws the ball with anticipation, which I think is a really important trait when translating to the NFL. Not a lot of guys in college do it. I don't think it's something you can necessarily develop once you get to the NFL, that ability to see it, but throw a route before it's breaking. He has that. It's just not necessarily accurate. I think the, the bottom line with all of this is the Giants, it felt like they were going in looking for an Eli replacement slash clone rather than the next great quarterback. They went in and said... Mm-hmm. 
give me the guy who looks the part. Give me the guy who had the same coach as Eli. Give me the guy who's going to handle criticism when he's not good. Mm-hmm. Hey, that's Daniel Jones. He's got a great character. Like, they're trying, say, yeah. You're trying to replace a guy who for the last five years has been the 23rd best quarterback in the NFL, 22nd best quarterback in the NFL. Mm-hmm. And you may have found him. And Daniel Jones' peak is probably yeah. sneaks into the top 20 yeah. NFL quarterbacks one or two years. Yeah, that's, that's, that's part of, I think, the issue with the Daniel Jones analysis here yes he does a lot of things extremely well or solid he does just does a lot of things solid i I just can't get how you can look at the 2007 18 draft class excuse me and pass on sam darnold and look at 2019 and draft daniel jacobs with similar ish players and daniel jones daniel jones jacobs is just in your head you've been i I saw you type it in i know that's why it's daniel jones um passing on josh allen the edge defender when Sam Darnold and actually Daniel Jones are similar type of quarterbacks from what they, you know, what we saw from them in college, with Darnold just being superior in terms of performance, on being the field. younger, better, yes, shorter, exactly. accuracy, better outside the pocket, well, and everything, well, and Dave then Gettleman, Josh Allen being a more valuable position. So there was well, there's two. I don't want to spend too much time on it, but I think it's important. Dave Gettleman said two things at his press conference that answered your question essentially because he was hired late in the process. He didn't get to see the 2018 quarterback class live in person in live. He Damn. did see Daniel Jones live, and he saw especially those three series at the, at the Senior Bowl that said this looks like a professional quarterback. Yeah, don't get me started on my whole rant where if you bring him in for a visit, you I know. Well, mm. so you I don't mind yeah. seeing a guy live. If I was a general manager, I would go see these guys live. Mm-hmm. But if you think that the performance Vacation. that they had in that game should be weighed way more than the other two thousand passes that they had, then it's just it's how stupid. he cares himself, Steve. You don't get it. You don't get it. That's how he carries himself. Here's one other thing, though. Last year, we saw Gettleman take Saquon Barkley, right? He got criticized just like he's getting criticized this year. How did he defend Saquon Barkley? He actually had some on-field answers. He was Mm -hmm. like, this guy's a nine. I've never scouted a nine. That's the best I've ever scouted. He does this. He's shifty. He can catch the ball. He's today's running back. He actually had all of these on-field answers for why he drafted Saquon Barkley which I can respect like I I respect what you saw with your eyes the defense of Daniel Jones was like he'll handle criticism and he's a good kid and he looked like a quarterback for three series like even we've seen how he defends good players yeah he's not even even doing it the same way yeah defending Daniel Jones so Hmm. all of that stuff adds up to um one of the biggest reaches on the PFF draft board who else we got we have Rashawn Gary, no need to beat this dead horse again. We know. Check out the rest of the YouTube channel. Exactly. uh, Podcast. Yeah. Uh, There's just nothing from an on field production standpoint. There's no way to slice his numbers. There's no way to justify it in our world of production based being one of the biggest, one of the most important things going to the next level. He just did not have college production. Rashawn Gary. And Brian Burns had more pressure. I mean, so just hypothetically, Brian Burns had more pressures, I think, last year than. Gary's previous two, right? Yeah. So if they had gotten Brian Burns, all we're saying is there's a higher percentage chance that Brian Burns has Turns a better good. NFL career than Rashawn Gary. Gary still has a chance. Yeah. But man, they could have had some other yep. higher percentage That's plays it. at number twelve. Who else we got? We have Cleveland Farrell, who we kind of touched on also as well in the conversation yeah. with Chase Winovich earlier. But player we like, player we like, think is going to rush the passer well. He was drafted number four overall to be a solid NFL player is what I think you're getting in Cleveland Farrell. You're not getting anything. If you could have had a similarly typed player, 26 overall in Montez Sweat. That is, you're not getting your draft capital back there, whereas you can trade down. You could even take 
the Steelers trade and get the 20th of our pick and then get a second back and get a guy of similar sort of stature to Cleveland Farrell. Obviously, Josh Allen, even regardless of if you think Josh Allen wasn't a scheme fit, which I think is baloney, but uh, just because a guy didn't play 4-3 in college does not mean he couldn't play 4-3 in the NFL. But uh, When it's all the same, just rush the passer. Go get exactly, the quarterback. But I, I think that's ridiculous. But if you weren't going to draft Josh Allen because the scheme fit, throw it out the window. I think you could have gotten a similarly skilled player at 20 overall, 26 overall. You could have traded back, recruited more draft value if you really wanted someone like Cleveland Farrell, who we're saying is a good player, but not fourth overall type of... I think uh, Cleveland's career will be compared to Josh a- uh, Allen's career. Oh, yeah. um, and just Obviously. see how they progress i always like doing that the two you know the, the what ifs and how they compare mm-hmm. uh you know years down the road so that'll be uh, a telling sign uh josh jacobs the other raiders first round pick i think has to be on this list just because yes. of the running back value thing and we keep coming down to the difference between josh jacobs and david montgomery in the third or josh jacobs and jordan scarlet in the mm-hmm. fifth yeah how big of a difference is there it's marginal yep that's it, it you're you're sort of the situation plays so much of a role into a running back success that you're just not getting that draft value of the 24th overall pick. Again, you could have had Montez Sweat there. The answer generally you is... Well, someone, yeah. Even though he's a good re- receiving running back, so the answer generally yeah. is to get his value, you need to throw him the ball more because he's a good receiving threat. And that's where our guys are like, well, actually, you don't want to throw the ball to the running back too often. It's actually a yeah. low-value like proposition. It's, it's, it's good if he's your last read. You'd rather it be Josh Jacobs than, say, Jordan Howard that you're checking the ball down to. Agreed. Yeah. You don't want that to be your first, second read. You don't want that to be, oh, one read, check down. Like, you don't want that in your quarterback's mind being, always go to the check down. That's not, doesn't lead to better results as any sort of downfield passing does. So that's the, that's the thing. I would say, too, if they, if they move Jacobs around a little bit and you've got Antonio Brown on the field and Tyrell mm-hmm. Williams and you've... If you start developing all these weapons, you know, he's a good piece of that. It's just it's yeah. tough to justify it at 24. And, and rounding it out, Mike, who else we got? Biggest reaches on the PFF draft board. Jelani Tavai, the linebacker out of Hawaii. Yeah, just so, not we, super athletic. And we talked about this on the uh, NFC podcast. Even though all of the Patriots coaching tree coveted him, mm-hmm. and even if Belichick would have taken him in the second round, we still would have said, eh, that's higher That's than it should have been. 43 overall to the Detroit Lions for that hybrid linebacker slash, slash edge. Mm-hmm. Clearly, they all have a type. Yeah. The Belichick, Patricia, assuming Brian Flores tree, they have a type of player, but it's a type of player that's not as coveted by the rest of the NFL, and that's a lot. He's got to play really well you know, for that value to be justified. Yeah. He's got to be much better it, than even Kyle Van Noy. Exactly. And he's not, he's, he is basically Kyle He's just not very athletic. Uh, when he did rush the passer, he was solid, not spectacular rushing the passer. There's just a lot of guys with his skill set who went later on in this draft that can give you replaceable results for that role. I just don't see him. He's not, he's not an impact type of player. He's just a guy who can fill that role. He just has the skill to fill that role. Nothing, you know, versatility in my mind is only valuable if you could do any of those versatile skills well. It, and I'm not sure he does. It reminds me of the Patriots back in 2012 drafted Tavon Wilson in the second round. And everybody's mm-hmm. like, who? The guy out of you know, Illinois. And yeah. he's essentially been, you know, Tavon Wilson. a pretty good role player. Yeah. Not, and he's worth not with Detroit. Exactly. But played, played with New England and then Detroit. Um, so similar type of player, I think, from a value standpoint. Let's get to our best fits of the draft. This is one of my favorite things is saying, okay, this guy's just going to fit either the scheme or what a team needs or, you know, something about 
the environment that he's going to that makes a ton of sense. Um, I wrote this article on ProFootballFocus.com, and I put two Cardinals and two Chargers in there, so let's just lump those together. Yeah. The two Cardinals, Byron Murphy, the corner they got at the top of the second round, and Andy Isabella, their other second rounder, wide receiver out of UMass. Murphy, we've talked about him quite a bit. We called him the best zone corner. He's going to a zone-heavy scheme. think he's a perfect fit opposite Patrick Peterson, even if they do end up trading him. He's a good fit for what they do. And Andy, Andy Isabella... I'm assuming he's going to get used extremely yeah, well with Kyler Murray and in the Cliff Kingsbury offense. Yeah, Cliff Kingsbury has a role for a player like that in his offense. I love that fit. Byron Murphy, I've compared him to Chris Harris, who had a great year last year in Vance Joseph's defense. Uh, so I think those are both, I'm not arguing with you, those are both spot-on fits. They, that's why we like their draft so much. The two Chargers picks, uh, Nasir Adderley, the prototypical free mm-hmm. safety now to complement Derwin James. So Derwin was a, was a great fit last year. Uh, he would have been yeah. a fit anywhere, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Nasir Adderley, true free safety. And then Jerry Tillery, this is like they're going to use him well, but also this year-over-year annual need of an interior pass rusher. Mm-hmm. The fit between Adderley and Tillery and what they add to this defense just makes that Massive upgrade scarier. from Corey Legit there. Jerry Tillery should be. Uh, Adderley, they play more cover three than anyone else in the NFL did last year. They have that single high role is very defined in that defense. That is Adderley's skill set. Anybody else you so. have that you think's a, a great Well, fit? I think the Darnell Savage, too. It, was, yeah. it goes to a team in Green Bay that plays, I think, their top five in terms of single high coverages last year in that Mike Patton defense. Uh, I think he has a very defined role there with the very defined Adrian Amos going into the box there. So they have that dichotomous safety. Savage was great single high. Free safety, option. strong safety is just mm-hmm. a good place to say, okay, this is a great... I mean, technically, if Jonathan Abram went to a, one of these cover three teams, we could say he's a great fit if they use him in that true strong safety role. The other one has to be DK Metcalf going to Seattle. Mm-hmm. He's a vertical threat. Wilson's a vertical thrower, best bucket thrower in the NFL. If DK Metcalf went to the wrong scheme, you could see this you know, bust of a career perhaps yeah. uh, emerging, but when you put him with Russell Wilson... No, that'll like, test our theory he, that he was the best. He receiver. wasn't going to go to the Cowboys and be a huge impact for that. They just Scoop, don't, yeah. you know, he's not throwing the ball down the field. There, that's not what they're doing. He goes to a place where they're gonna throw the ball down the field. Russell Wilson will give Metcalf opportunities either on the deep ball mm-hmm. or on the back shoulder stuff, where he can use his ball skills. Um, so that'll be a really good fit. Best fits in the NFL draft. I got the full breakdown on a couple other guys as well. ProFootballFocus.com. Uh, best overall drafts. We did this on our YouTube channel already. Let's just fly through it quickly because we've reviewed every draft if you guys want to hear the breakdown we have a full afc full nfc pod from earlier this week cardinals picked all the same guys we would have picked so they have to be number one yeah i mean kyler our number one overall player went number one baron murphy a top 10 player on the board to his own scheme they run his own scheme there they get him at the top of the second then isabella had him as a first round type of talent at the receiver position to get him in the late second same with zach allen we had as a high second rounder to get him in the third and then akeem butler we had as a second rounder to get him in the fourth just like value 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 thompson in the fifth is worth the shot at free yeah. safety lamont guyard could start at center down the road you get mm-hmm. that in you know uh, sixth round i believe it was uh, so many good picks potentially from yeah. the cardinals do you want to speak to uh, daniel jeremiah's criticism of andy isabella some people are I think asking. It's val- so here's the thing about Andy Isabella. He was not, he's not going to, another guy like D.K. Metcalf, you're not going to fit in every single offense. There's not a role for him in a team that isn't going to, is going to play a lot of maybe two tight end or a lot of heavy personnel. He's not going to be your guy who you just line up on the outside, ask him to be coverage every time there. That's not who he's going to be. And yes, he is, body, is a bit of a body catcher, but it never led to drop passes there. 
at UMass, I, I think his sort of uh, catch radius criticisms are a little uh, unfounded. Yeah, yeah, a little overblown in terms of the routes he's running. The deep crosser, a deep post, a deep anything, anything over 15 to 20 yards downfield over the, in the middle of the field. They're the routes he's going to be running, routes he's going to excel at. What pretty much constitutes your catch radius on those downfield routes is how fast you are. If you're faster than the other guy and give this gaping window, you can throttle down and go up, and that's your catch radius. And your ball, just your general ability to track the ball in the air, which I thought he was fantastic at. Yeah. You know, you don't always see that from smaller receivers because mm-hmm. they don't have those opportunities, but he was really good at tracking the ball in the yes. air. Yes. Uh, so that's um, – and, and a lot of uh, Daniel Jeremiah's criticism was based off the senior bowl. When Isabella was technically playing out of position in the slot, that's we don't. Not where he played. We're not projecting him as he a. He played slot majority player. outside at right. UMass. He played outside at UMass. We've seen him as an outside player. We'll mm-hmm. see if we'll see what Cliff does. He might put him in the slot and see yeah. what he can do. Um, and he dropped more passes at the Senior Bowl from a percentage standpoint than he did in the regular season. So do you look that's at Ty Hodge Yeah. Like do you just focus on the Senior Bowl and that small sample size? So if you're fo- so focused on that small sample, maybe you mm-hmm. don't love Isabella that much. I, and I understand that. Um, Tennessee Titans had a really good draft. We said six potential contributors, top four especially, starting potential between Jeffrey Simmons, A.J. Brown, Nate Davis, Amani Hooker, just slam dunk draft uh, per the PFF draft board for the Titans. Exactly. Another board where I think every single guy was higher on our board than where they got drafted. So value every single time they picked, which obviously we're going to like that. The Amani Hooker one still blows my mind that he fell that far to the fourth. To me, he was... I don't, I don't want to call anyone safe, but I think he had just very, just a lot of check marks in his favor. There weren't a lot of knocks on him. There weren't a lot of bad parts to his game, and he's not even 21 years old. I mean, he has two gr- seasons graded in coverage over 87 at the safety position for Iowa, and he's not even 21. True junior coming out there. There's a good athlete to test out as in terms of speed and change of direction ability, good size, 210 pounds. I would love to know who like who what safety you need teams in the third round what they were thinking passing on him i agree i mean kevin byard is the guy that titan stole a couple years ago that we yeah. really liked and byard we loved as well and I, I think he has a legitimate shot to usurp kenny mccarrow there oh yeah absolutely so definitely love uh amani hooker there with the Titans. so a lot of good players there we've talked about the chargers quite a bit have to call them one of the best drafts because like the cardinals yeah. where they went yeah the pff pick pff first pick. two guys pff pick, first yeah. two guys we certainly agree with throw in drew tranquil in the middle rounds you know anytime you can grab a fourth rounder mm-hmm. who could probably contribute on the defense add some speed at linebacker um they, a lot of guys that will affect the pass game Adderley's going to affect the pass game drew tranquil will affect the pass game jerry tillery will affect the yeah. pass game we probably would have gone somewhere else besides pipkins at you know development well i mean we third, just don't but. know we don't know small school guys we it's hard to the production standpoint isn't there with them so unfortunately we it's tough for us to scout. We like the like Chargers. That. We put the Redskins on our best overall drafts. I do think they're one of the more volatile drafts, though. So much, obviously, I mean, for all of them, hinges on the quarterback. Dwayne Haskins, all of our analysis on Haskins is, well, he's a little dependent on everything around him. Plus, Montez Sweat, one of the bigger boomer bust players mm-hmm. in the draft as well for us, where we think, you know, could be a solid, good player. Wasn't a top 10 player, but you get him at, you know, late first. It's a lot more reasonable value. Plus, they... They just had a ton of picks and added um, some value picks throughout the draft. Yeah, and I think their late rounders actually is also why I like that. Bryce Love in the fourth, if he's if you get him back healthy, if he is fully healthy, he's well worth that sort of pick. One of the biggest home run threat in this entire class. Kelvin Harmon in the sixth. I get why he fell. He's not going to excite athletically, but 
the dude catches contested passes, runs good routes, I'll do has that. solid hands. I'll do that in the sixth. Exactly. Sure. I would have done that in the fourth, probably. Uh, Jimmy Moreland in the seventh, we loved. Slot cornerback, the, one of the most projectable traits to the slot of any cornerback in this entire draft. I think he'll be fantastic there. Yeah, the Calvin Harmon thing, I think it, we're, we're getting into off-season mode shortly where we'll, we'll have to have some some longer form discussions about some of the stuff i want to know if the receivers dropped because the nfl truly feels that the receiver position is just kind of getting saturated at the nfl level mm-hmm. there's only so many receiver spots i feel like the nfl like the college is throwing a lot of decent receivers at the nfl the last few years mm-hmm. and a lot of them aren't even getting just, opportunities yeah so i wonder if that has something to do with the kelvin Harmon thing um, also makes you maybe more likely to take shots on like a dk metcalf because if you if you hit great if you don't well there's some other mid-tier guy yeah you know, floating around that mm-hmm. you can that you could pick up um after the redskins jaguars uh the fact my favorite thing again they let the draft come to them they didn't force anything josh allen at seven Jawan taylor on the turn in the second round getting two first round talents my, my boy josh oliver the tight end i just love their first three picks in jacksonville yeah the josh allen pick i, I couldn't love more the fact that you have a guy who's top five talent falls down a little bit because teams you know because the giants want a quarterback they benefited from you know someone like the the cowboys drafting a running back you know guys sort of taking this position on offense that's in need and filling it before this jalen ramsey type of prospect josh allen is every bit that type of prospect in my eyes in terms of what he can do athletically and what we've seen from on the field already so take the stars at valuable positions exactly that fall Man, mm. if the Jags just didn't draft Fournette in the middle of all that. <laughs> right? Yeah. It's like... Well, this is why they say like teams aren't good, quote-unquote, good at drafting. Because, right? because every time isn't. they have a good pick or a good draft, you know, there's a Leonard mm. Fournette at number four overall that kind of offsets things. No one sticks to their gun. No one really sticks to their guns that like, strongly. Think about how special the, the 2017 Saints draft class, one of the best of recent history mm-hmm. and then in 2018 they made what we thought was one of the worst trades in history trading up to go get marcus davenport right i mean so back-to-back years we were like great job saints and then like okay what are you doing saints so and that was a that had a two-year effect on yeah. two different draft classes it almost offset what they did in 2017 so anyway uh panthers also had a pretty good draft class we like and that was just a lot of getting the right guy at the light right slot brian mm-hmm. burns, burns in the first round greg little in the second round uh, a lot to like Will about Greer. the Panthers. Absolutely, we touched on it. And well. Will Greer, right? He could make that into perhaps the best draft if mm-hmm. he does truly pan out at some point. Um, how about the most improved units? Uh, this is a fun one because sometimes teams just throw so much draft capital at a certain position, you can't help but feel optimistic. So let's give Giants fans a reason for optimism. Love what they have done. In their secondary, particularly the cornerback position. Yeah, cornerback position, we've preached it. Second most valuable position. They addressed it wholesale. DeAndre Baker, love that pick. We have him 16th overall player on our board. He goes 30th. Julian Love, we had the 45th overall player on our board. He goes 108. Very similar type of players, I think. Very uh, just solid all around. If you're going to be uh, a team that runs diverse coverages, you know, a bunch of different stuff. I think those are your guys. I think they, they can execute anything at a high level. Great ball skills, both of them. You'll be getting some PBUs out of both those guys. I think they have a chance to come in, start maybe love in the slot, maybe Baker out wide. I'm not sure what they Plus do. Plus Sam Beal. Do with Janoris Jenkins. That's what I'm saying. With Sam Beal as well. I'm not sure Janoris Jenkins plan, what Sam Beal's got coming back from his injury. So a lot of a lot of names. They threw a lot at the position, though, which we always are going to love. And that's how I'm going to describe the next – most improved the unit, the Bucks secondary, is throw, mm-hmm. throw a ton of resources at the position. When you look at 
the Bucks draft. And for me, this most improved unit is kind of like a two-year process for them. But um, their entire back seven starts with Devin White at linebacker, but specifically the secondary. Sean Bunting, the corner out of Central Michigan. Jamel Dean, corner out of Auburn. Mike Edwards, the safety out of Kentucky. Uh, all of those guys add different style pieces on the back end mm-hmm. to go with Carlton Davis from last year out of Auburn, the big monster yeah. press corner. You got Vernon Hargraves. and athleticism too. All those guys, all those guys are plus athletes for their yeah. respective positions. The Bucks have this knack of really instilling optimism every single offseason. Right, they do a really good job. It could be in free agency. It could be in the draft. I mean, there's just they find a way to make you optimistic. I feel good. I think this is the year they have some semblance of a turnaround. Eight, yeah. eight nine wins. We this, is, this is the Jameis Pencil breakout year? I'm not calling Jameis it with Bruzarians. But this is the year we feel good about. I think my prediction for the Bucks last year is that they were going to be a better team, but it might not show on the record. That could happen the next few years. I mean, the NFC the South is just so tough. Crap, though. It was, it was, it but was. But I think bad. they have a good, like, if those guys make an impact year one, they have a chance to really. And a lot of this, again, is process-oriented. I like their process. I like where they're mm. attacking there. Uh, other most improved units, Cardinals wide receivers. I mean, we are three, four years now removed from them having what we call the best receiving core in the NFL yes. in 2015. It gets like completely Floyd, depleted, right? Fitzgerald when he was better. Mm-hmm. Now it felt like they just had Fitzgerald and emerging Christian Kirk. They added Keen Butler, add India and Isabella. Nice little. They, they had to. I mean, Cliff Kingsbury's offense is they're going to th- roll receivers in and out, three to four wide, most plays. That was a necessity to get those guys. Uh, Keyshawn, good route runner. And the sixth, Keem Butler, physically a specimen. Does worry about him getting open, but I don't think that he, what he can do in the red zone in that regard, I think it still has value. And then Andy Isabella, don't need to keep talking about it, but we love his fit in that Cardinals offense. Speed will get utilized well. Wherever styles. you line it up. Different styles always mm-hmm. gets me too. Different style receivers, different style coverage players. I think that's the best way to construct funds. on the perimeter. Diversify, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, the Falcons' offensive line, they did not diversify. They went all offensive line yeah. in the first round. But right guard, potential right, right guard, Chris Lindstrom, right tackle, Caleb McGarry. Um, it's weird as a fan to get excited about uh, maintaining, taking a strength oh, and just yeah. kind of maintaining right. it. It's just tough to get excited about it, but it's kind of necessary sometimes. I yeah. think the Falcons did a good job of just, you know, shutting that down. When they were at their best that big year with Kyle Shanahan, their offensive line was also at its best. That's a big driver of offensive success, of running game success, of a lot of things they want to do there. So, yeah, I mean, go get. I, I'm not going to. Falcons fans probably aren't too excited about it, but it's yeah. a good team building play to do that sometimes you just have to make moves to kind of maintain mm-hmm. the status quo and that's what the falcons i think did with their offensive line so a most improved because unit they, there. we were talking about before last year if their defense stayed healthy it could have been they that had a super bowl talent on that type talent on that roster yeah. they weren't too far off a lot of things went wrong a lot of guys got injured if you get that defense back to its form you get the off the line back in place you're not too far away so i think they're oh i think the falcons for the fourth yeah. year in a row are going to be one of our teams that we're they were pushing because they've got a lot of good talent in the right places there. And then let's say something nice about the Raiders. Most improved units, the Raiders edge. on the edge. Yeah. Cleveland Farrell, I mean, is an upgrade. I mean, it can't get worse, one. Can't yeah. get worse than where they were. So Cleveland Farrell, easy upgrade there. And then Max Crosby, one of our favorite picks in the fourth round. We didn't have him and Cleveland Farrell too far apart on our boards. Crosby, 
freakish athletic traits, knows how to use his hands well as a pass rusher. Obviously, it's going to be a step up from him from Eastern Michigan. It might be a little bit of a work in progress right out the gate, but I think he's a guy who could down the line year two, year three, start putting it together because I like I like the ability he's shown to win as a pass rusher, have a bunch of you know the creativity in his hands and his pass rushing plan. So in the fourth round, great value. We think it would have been even more improved if it was Josh Allen and Max Crosby, but we don't have to good. go back there. Oh, sorry. No, it's the most approved unit. One of the most uh, approved units. Draft capital. Hmm. draft round selection doesn't matter now cleveland farrell is going to go play football and Hmm. he'll probably be a pretty good player let's go to our top undrafted free agents the guys that uh you know probably held a somewhat prominent spot on our draft board yeah for whatever reason went undrafted Uh, i'm not surprised that tavon coney the linebacker out of notre dame went undrafted i'm not i mean undrafted is a surprise but undrafted is a surprise i was expecting him to be a day three round five or six guy i was just thinking about how the nfl might value his skill set um, there was some other stuff at play. There was some off stuff, off field stuff at play. Is that right? Supposedly with um, Coney with drugs. Oh, yeah. I saw some sort of um, link to that. But even that aside, mm. I was still kind of expecting the NFL to say, "Oh, he's a day three player." Um, but we're still going to nah. call him, yeah, a top player. Um, I had a marijuana play. Yeah, yeah. It's rough. So that probably had him drop. So that's our excuse. No, but we really like Pacconi as a player in this wide-open linebacker class. Mm-hmm. He brings some value in coverage. Instance. And I mean, he's more athletic than Vontez Perfect, who's going to be yeah. who's there in that room. Better, probably better than Tahir Whitehead. I think he has a legitimate chance to start there with what the talent that's on that linebacker roster. I mean, at least make that roster. Uh, we just love his balance. I think he's a solid NFL player. To me, he's the Cleveland Farrell linebacker. I think he's just going to be a solid NFL player. He's not super exciting, though, obviously, so that's why he probably fell well down draft boards. But he just does a lot of things fairly well that you'd like a guy to do well at linebacker. Clearly not the same character guy as Cleveland, though. True. Fourth overall versus UDFA. Uh, Emmanuel Hall, wide receiver out of Missouri, going to the Bears. I expected the NFL to... There were uh, character like concerns his, here, though, as yeah. well, apparently. Attitude concerns was the Emmanuel Hall. Not off-field, but attitude. Yeah. But, I mean, the dude was the most explosive receiver in this draft class. Probably more explosive than DK Metcalf in terms of just, like, off the line of scrimmage. It just seemed like he was at full speed already going past guys now his ball skills are abysmal like just so many drops every single year but he's averaged the second most or the most yards per route this past year when healthy obviously he didn't play enough necessarily to qualify for our that stat overall but he was averaging something like four, almost four yards per route just drew lock throwing it up to him was a nice combination when he was healthy not going to add much more than that but I, he is actually a little better route runner than like the, your traditional deep threat he was kind of like a bigger wolf fuller in my eyes really with terrible with worse ball skills even fuller had bad drops but emmanuel hall was worse. yeah his ball skills were he see he reminded me more of mac hollins who's with the mm-hmm. eagles now came out of unc yeah. just had that special second gear hollins yeah and he was a guy that i really liked as a fourth rounder mm-hmm. for the eagles and i keep thinking back to like these mid-rounders that i like it's because they either do something really well and i could see this path where they're going to succeed that's kind of hall like i could see him mm-hmm. being a deep threat like i envisioned for mac hollins um Give me some other top UDFA names. Deion Calhoun, the guard out of Mississippi State. This one is a big head-scratcher for me that he didn't get drafted. Uh, he was getting a lot of hype early in the process, more like he? last fall. Okay. But then it, but then it disappeared. So uh, this one, so everyone loved Bo. Everyone's asking why Bo Benshaw went undrafted, and he's a terrible athlete for the position. And there's a reason I thought he would go undrafted. Calhoun, though, on the other hand, is a fantastic athlete. Ran a 5.0740, 7.463 cone, 
462 short shuttle. Those are great numbers. He has power that shows up on tape. Uh, and there must, there must be something off field. There must be something else behind the scenes going on because his tape and his athleticism was draftable. We had him as a f- top of the fourth type of guy, uh, which is pretty hard, high he for a guard. He was a top 10 on a guard. And he goes to the Dolphins, which, God, they need the a guard. Field. He could legitimately, exactly, start for them as a rookie. Yeah, the uh, uh, Mississippi State had a very good just offensive-defensive line. Mm-hmm. They've just put a lot of talent into the NFL over the last couple of years. Uh, Gerald Willis. A guy we should highlight, interior D lineman uh, from Miami, former Gator. Uh, how old is he now? I mean, he was like Tebow's draft class. I mean, recruiting mid thirties. He's old. He's not but, like he's not BYU old. We're going through the ages. You always see one guy who's like, oh, he's twenty eight. Oh, BYU here's or the deal. Utah. He, but, yeah. Gerald Willis. We have every snap for every player in their career because we've been doing this back to. He's not even twenty four. Winovich is older than him. So. Okay. All right. But mm. all I'm saying is he took pre-PFF college snaps. He saw the field in 2013. Damn. For Florida. <laughs> okay. So he's been around a little while. But Gerald Willis, he flashed quite a bit at Miami last year. You know, some explosion off the line of scrimmage. And we saw him at least as a mid-round mm-hmm. type of interior D-lineman. Yeah. And he's at least different from all the other big plotting nose tackles that they have there. Mm-hmm. They're not plotting, but they're big. Give me one more name. Define Ozigbo. The running back out of Nebraska goes to the Saints, who have a history of liking those UDFA running backs. The Pierre Thomases of the world, the uh, Chris Ivories of the world have made rosters there. I think he's in that mold of, actually, my comp for him pre-draft was Mark Ingram. So they could see some similar sort of traits there. Graded out really well. Had a rushing grade this past season, over 90. Love his contact balance. Love his contact balance. I I think he has a legit shot of making that roster. They got Alvin Kamara and Latavius Murray in the fold. He could be RB3 there in that room. I may have lied about Gerald Willis. About him not taking snaps in 2013? I may have. Don't feed these people false information. He definitely had some 2014 snaps, though. You got to see what draft class he was. He was 2014. He was on. So he was in. Okay. So we have all. Sorry. I lied about Gerald Willis. We We might not have all of Bryce Hall's. He was. Oh, how old is he now? He was in Hackenberg's draft class. He was a sixth oh, year. Right. Yeah, he was a legitimate. I'm not sure if he played as a true freshman, but he was a sixth year. The Virginia cornerback who went to the 49ers. But those top Tim UDFAs. Harris, you mean? You mean Tim Harris? Bryce Halls. You're yes. already in 2020. Oh gosh, dude, I am ready. So 2020. Bryce Halls, the potential first round pick for 2020. Oh. Tim Harris was the sixth round pick for the 49ers. Man, look, I, I wasn't wanna, lying about that. Some some people criticized me because I was I was, you know, uh-huh. digging into your history and calling you an underachiever and all this stuff, but I want to compliment you. You've done a fantastic Thank job I this entire that. draft season. You've rattled off name after name, take after take mm-hmm. for the last few weeks. You've done a great job. I appreciate that. This I might hope, be your last time. Hope you guys have enjoyed that. And this might be my last time. Oh, if we do the 2020, that'll be my last time, but it, then that'll I'm taking it. the summer off. Then you're then you're out. And we'll back You'll to never see me again. Underachieving ways. No, you've done a really nice job, Mike. And um, thank you. In case you guys haven't um, haven't heard, you know, Mike is going to do a lot more with the draft, and you have some mm-hmm. some big aspirations for what you want to do as far as a preseason. Yes, preseason draft guide will be coming. We're going to be the draft guide next year. Might live on the website as a. Sort of. Don't make any promises. I'm not going to make any promises. There's but many it might. steps that have to happen. It might between. live on the website as opposed we're to. We're hoping to do. Well, I'll, I think we should ask for some suggestions. If there's stuff that yes, people want to exactly see that as well. If you have PFF Edge or Elite, you know, if you want just if, if there's got the draft information, guide, what do you want to see yeah. in the draft guide? We'll obviously be asking for more feedback later on, but please tell us things you want to see in the draft guide because we want to make it. 
We want you guys to not have to go anywhere else for any draft yeah, information completely than the agree. draft guide. So what do you want to see in it? Please tell us. So let us know, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you guys already have Edge or Elite, great. If you don't have it, get it. Because if you just sign up today, you, you have it for 365 days, which means you'll get the preseason guide, next year's guide, the guide for the guys that just got drafted. You just, just sign up mm-hmm. right now. You get everything. So, all right, guys, that'll do it. That's our bonus pod for this week, your draft superlatives. I'll be back on Monday, either with Sam or Mike. We'll see what happens. We're either going to do a 2020 look ahead or we'll get Sam back in here to discuss some of the NFL storylines. But thank you guys for listening, and we'll chat again next week. Quick break to tell you guys about NFL Game Pass, the only way that you can replay every game all season long. You can relive all the gutsy calls, crazy catches, wild comebacks, and breakout stars from every game every week. It's all the action, all the football you can handle, all in one place. So every game that we're talking about right now, you guys can rewatch it after the fact. I'm going to be going back, and you guys can too. Go check out Lamar Jackson in week one. Go check out Dak Prescott and what that Cowboys offense actually did. Go check out Kyler Murray and his NFL debut. That's my favorite thing about NFL Game Pass. You can go back and watch at any time. And if you haven't watched a condensed game yet, you have to try it out. It's every play from the game back to back to back so you can replay an entire NFL game in the fraction of the time it normally takes. It's how I'm able to follow all the MVP candidates, all the breakout stars, and, of course, your waiver wire pickups all season long. To see all the action this season and stay on top of all the big storylines, you need NFL Game Pass. Best of all, you can kick off the 2019 NFL season with a seven-day free trial of NFL Game Pass. Just sign up now at NFL.com slash Pro Football Focus NFL.